Sunday morning. Someone say, this is a great day. And amen, it is. This morning, I want to speak on glorious ruins. Look at your neighbor and say, glorious ruins. My subtitle is Beauty for Ashes. Let me read the word of God, and then we'll pray. Nehemiah 1. The Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity. Everyone say the captivity. And concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left now from the captivity are in great distress. Someone say great distress. And reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is all, also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. It'd be enough if the walls were down, but the gates had been burnt with fire. We'll get into that in a moment. So it was, I, Nehemiah, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I pray, Lord God in heaven. Oh, great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you. You observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant that I pray. Now reading from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of those that are bound, to proclaim the year of the favor. Someone say favor of the Lord, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Christ Jesus, and we welcome your Holy Spirit. Come, sir. Do what only you can do. I am completely dependent upon you. Speak to my friends, my brothers and sisters here, those listening by podcast. Speak and whisper things I don't even say because you are God and God alone. Let us be encouraged this morning that you are doing something wonderful out of glorious reunions. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Someone say, glorious ruins. God ordained a vision beyond what anyone could imagine. God was working to build, just as we saying this morning in Defender, you knew where I left me. You picked up my pieces and you put me back together. I'm not teaching the book of Nehemiah this morning because in 2022, we will look at that book. But I'm merely bringing some perspective out of Nehemiah 1. When Nehemiah found out that those that were back in Jerusalem, those that had survived the captivity, he was living in Persia. He had the amazing appointment of being a cupbearer, which means he tested the king's cup to make sure there was no poison in it. How many like to sign up for that job this morning? No, man. Because if it was poison was in it, he was going down. Someone say he was going down. But he was an Israelite living in Persia. And when he heard what was going on with his brothers and sisters in Israel, he began to cry. I want to tell you this morning for your life, every great vision begins with concern. I remember going through D.C. on a school trip, 
and my, our oldest daughter, Courtney, seeing the homeless, and we could barely contain her. She was like maybe six years old. It bothered her so bad. That's all she wanted to talk about on the trip. I knew then that God was putting a concern in her for the hurting. When you see something and it bothers you in a good way, you feel like somebody needs to fix that. Someone needs to bring light to that. Someone needs to help that person. That is God birthing a vision inside of you. Can you say amen? And God was tilling Nehemiah's hardened soil that he would care. I love what the founder of World Vision says. God, let my heart break with the things that break your heart. That should be our prayer this week. Our self-absorbed society, selfie by a million. Come on, somebody. We should say to God, God, what do you see around me that breaks your heart? Who do you see around me and what they're going through? God, use me to bring hope to glorious ruins. Can you say amen? And God shows us in the book of Nehemiah, he does not simply renovate we think, well, God's just going to come and renovate. Renovate means I take that old cabinet and I tip off the edges of it or do something to it or I renovate a house. God does not just renovate. God makes all things new. Isaiah 43 and 18, remember not the former things, says the Lord. Neither consider the things of old, for behold, I, the Lord, will do a new thing. Someone say a new thing. I will do a new thing. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready for a new thing. What Nehemiah saw was that the people back in Israel were living beneath the glory. He uses the word reproach. I want you to say that word with me, reproach. Reproach is defined as living beneath the glory. What is living beneath the glory? Sometime when I first began to work with people, sometimes from satanic ritual abuse or multiple personality disorder, you know, they would focus on so many things, and I would just say, all I see in your life right now is you're living beneath the glory. God's vision for you is not to live beneath what God called you and who he called you to be. God always shows up to lift his people and to tell us, you're living beneath the peace that I have given you. You're living beneath the joy that I have given you. You're living beneath the hope of restoration that I have given you. Don't you for a moment think that you are a second-class citizen, that God's grace or restoration applies to everybody but you. The whosoever that this church is built upon, upon is whosoever. Someone say, whosoever. Whosoever. And so what Christ shows up to say, I want you to live in the glory. That's not a feeling. That's not goosebumps. I get them often. I get excited. Last night, Pastor Hank and I had a prayer meeting. I was singing. And boy, we both just thought we're going to get lifted up out of here any moment. It wasn't because my singing was bad, but it was just a great song. Someone say glory. And that's a great thing when you sense God. But glory is what should be and could be in your life. The peace that God wants. The prosperity. The unity in your marriage, the soundness of mind. You see, those living in Israel, like many of us today and oftentimes, we become so accustomed to walls being broken down in our life. We just drag that depression everywhere we go. 
We drag that frustration everywhere we go. We become accustomed to things in our life not being what they should be that we hardly even notice them anymore. But we need the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah's name means God is my comfort. And the Holy Spirit's name means comforter. Everyone say comforter. And I love it that the comforter shows up in the book of Nehemiah and he shows up in your life and my life to say, you have become so accustomed with that fear knocking you down every night. A former Hope House graduate that's long gone from here, nobody in this room would know her, contacted me this week about things that were appearing in the night and tormenting her. She said, Pastor, Pastor, please, can you call me? I said, absolutely. And I called her by name because I said, this is not God's will for your life that these dark, hideous things would be torturing you in the time of your recovery. I'm going to tell you, God always shows up to say, you're living beneath what I gave my son's blood for. You're living beneath the victory that I have given you because over the years, Israel and you and I lose sight of who we belong to and what we can be. Can you say an amen this morning? They forgot what made them great. In fact, in Nehemiah, in his prayer, he says to God, follow me for a second. If you're not familiar with Nehemiah, these have suffered captivity because they disobeyed God. Nehemiah was taken away to Persia. But this group was left there. And all of a sudden, they identified more with what they had gone through than who God said they were. All of a sudden, they identified with their feelings more than who God said they were. And they forgot the promise. Somebody say, don't forget the promise. The promises from Genesis to Revelation that are everyone are yes in Christ Jesus. Someone say hallelujah. They forgot. And so Nehemiah prayed a prayer. Listen to this. He says, God, you said if we sinned, you would scatter us. Now, back in that day, that meant you got scattered away from your country. I think about in my life, would I have fallen into sin or despair, whatever that looks like? I get scattered. Anybody with me? Can you think a season in your life you just felt scattered? You didn't feel together. You just, you didn't even know who you were. You look in the mirror and you can't recognize yourself anymore. You feel scattered. Well, in that day, he scattered them to the nations. And if they were just staying there, listen, don't ever. I want to say from being a pastor for 31 years and being raised in ministry since I've been four with my parents. I've watched two kind of people, Amanda. Those that fall and fall and fall and fall and they get back up, they get back up, they get back up and one day it sticks. And then I've seen some just fall once, but they couldn't comprehend that the word of God was true for them and they didn't even really have big things going through. I'm going to tell you, be a part of the group. If you relapse, addicts, get back up and go again. If you relapse, fearful, get back up and go again. If you relapse, those that are struggling with anger, get back up and go again. If you relapse into old patterns of thoughts or even habits or hurts that you had, you say out loud and you say to the Lord and say it so the enemy can hear you. And you say, I may have fallen, but I am getting back up again. And I'll get up again. I was contacted this week from someone. I walked through something that I will not speak what it is. Been in another church for a long time, but we're still in good measure. And she was saying to me, I can't believe what God did. 
And, and this has been 30 years. And I said, I can't believe either. You're one of my favorite stories. I was merely a witness to what God did. He saw you living beneath the glory. And he lifted you up. I saw what he did in your life. And it is a testimony. But I was reminding her of times she would come in here when she had fallen. And she couldn't. She was such a worshiper, uh, Josh. She was such a praiser. But any time she would fall into this sin that I shall not speak of, um, any time she would have her head down, she would just be looking at the floor. And I said to her one day, the last time that you were so jubilant in praise and crying and worshiping and running around this place, she said, yes. But that was before this. I said, do you think God didn't know you were going to fall? Do you think he did not know that you were going to have this big era over and over again? She said, but I didn't know it. I said, well, who gives a rip what you knew or didn't know? What I know is the last time you sensed God's favor on you, God knew the days counting till you would fall again. And God counted the days till he would restore you and you would be lifted back up. Someone give Jesus a praise. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, but you said you'd scatter us. But here, see, he remembers the promise. Say, I will remember the promise. And he remembers the promise. He said, you said you'd scatter us. But, you see, some people stop before the but. Yeah, God said if I sin, I'll mess up. God said if I did this, I'm going to die. God said this. Uh, how many times I have said that over my life and my challenges. But Nehemiah was smart enough to say, but you said that if we return to you. Someone say return. And we would obey that even if we are exiled, hallelujah, this is unbelievable, to the ends of the earth, that you will bring us back to the place you have chosen for your name to be honored. Now, that's powerful when you think that when the Israel nation became a nation after the Holocaust, God brought the Jews back home out of 23 nations. Someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise. That's powerful. But it doesn't stop there. It means God says to you and I, when you feel exiled, when you feel overwhelmed with the things you're dealing with, and you just think this is not going to work, God says, I will bring you back not only to the place, but a greater place from where you fell. Someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Israel took their identity. That's what Nehemiah is about. As God spoke to me about this a week ago, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to preach last Sunday, but I didn't. And then I didn't think I was going to preach this Sunday, but here I am. They took their identity from what they had been through. Everyone say been through. They took their identity by what others said about them. And even more importantly, they took their identity from what they were saying to themselves about themselves. God told me one time, Rhonda, I can protect you from what other people are saying. I, I can help you. But Rhonda, you've got to help yourself about what you're saying over your own self. You can't be so self-loathing. I mean, I'll tell you this way the Lord speaks to me. You just keep putting yourself down. In fact, one day he told me, you know what? You're like a Barnabas. You, you drive through fast food just to encourage people. And I would. I mean, I'm one of the rare people I drive through drive throughs They say, I love you. And people just look at me like, wow, that's weird. But, but it, encouragement, I don't say this, lift me up because we all have gifts. It doesn't make me any better, please. But he said, you are such an encourager. To everyone else, why don't you turn the same words of encouragement to yourself? Why don't you speak back to yourself? You're always looking at the hurting and the despair. And, but you know what? I'd love to see my daughter. Because, you know, this is a thing, Misha. I had such confidence that God would protect us through Queen for a day. 
Because Greenford is such a work of his hands. I just knew it. I mean, I'm going to get into that, how much we had to climb the hill of Delta COVID. Come on, somebody, to get where we were going to go. It was more torture than anyone could imagine, probably outside of my family and Susan, who bore that with me. But I want to say this to you today. When it was over, I was thinking about, thank you for protecting that, Lord. Thank you. I know Queenford Day. He said, wait a minute. Do you think I love the thing you do more than you? Would your sweet daddy over there at Garden Plaza Room 437, would he just say, I love your Queenford Day and I love your Esther and not say, I love you, Rhonda. I'm going to tell you this morning what we do for God or what we work for God is powerful but who we are, he loves more than anything else we can do or we can be or anything we can be a part of. No earthly father would not love their child. My daddy would be furious and cry his eyes out if I thought he loved the things I do. Oh, he's so proud of me. But if he thought I thought he loved them more than he loved me, it would break his heart. Our God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he can change his mind. Jesus himself said, if you being good know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more can I, your heavenly father, give good gifts to those who need him? I'm going to tell you today, God loves you. God loved Nehemiah. He loved what he was going to rebuild in Jerusalem, but he loved his children more than rebuilding the city. He loved Nehemiah more than his position, and God loves you today more than you could ask dream or imagine someone give him praise hallelujah and Hosea 2 God says because God Nehemiah said you said you'd bring us to a place Hosea 2 said in the same place everyone say the same place where it was said to you you are not my people you know those places that we're talking about despair um, places in my life where my situation said you must not belong to God or you wouldn't be doing this you must not belong to God or you wouldn't be going through this. You must not belong to God or these things would not be happening to the people that you love. You just are so unfavored. In fact, the enemy in your own flesh who combines itself with the enemy will say, you know what, when favor was given out, God must have overlooked you. But the Bible says, someone say the Bible says, that God says to Israel in Hosea 2, in the same place, that means the same place where you sinned, the same place where you were discouraged, you're depressed. We're not just talking about sin, we're talking about battles, trials, what have you. In that place where it was said to you by the enemy, oh, you don't belong to God, the Lord says, I just want to say something right here. I want to set this record straight. This is wrong to bring it in. I just want to say right now, I want to declare it to the nations that it shall be said in that very same place, you are are the people of God. The Lord says today, I will say over you in the same place. Those are my kids. Those are my people. That is my son. That is my daughter. And I draw a line today, the Lord says, on the plans of the enemy. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Come on. <laughs> Nehemiah, the great comforter and the Holy Spirit who we have. You know, and we're in transition more than you know because we're waiting to share some good news with you. This church is in a great transition more than we know. A great and wonderful. I'm in transition. Anybody else in transition? Well, you know, when you were in your mama's womb, because unless y'all came from Spock or Speck or whatever his name is on Star Wars, Live Long and Prosper, unless you came that way, you came through a woman's womb. And when you were in there, that body and God decided, time to push you out. You're coming out. You're coming out. You know. And, you know, you can just imagine a baby 
in that transition. No. What are you doing, mama? It's warm in here. I mean, I got this little thing connected to you. We're just having fun. You're carrying me around everywhere. I'm listening to all these voices. I'm drinking the good drink in here. I'm eating. I'm growing. Oh, it's so comfortable. It's so tight. It's so good. I feel so happy. Some seasons of our life, we feel that way. And then all of a sudden, uh, God and mama's body decides, you coming out? You coming out. There's only one way out, and you coming out. And you could just imagine a baby thinking, I don't want to leave here. This is comfortable. This is great. I'm not talking about any of you leaving your jobs, husbands, families, cities, or what have you. I'm just talking about transition. Look at your neighbor and say transition. But I'm going to tell you what, if somebody could have shown you all the good, we've all suffered in this lifetime. I understand that. But if you said to that baby in the womb, your mama's going to take you to Disney World. You need to come out. You can't go in there. I mean, you won't see it. You'll hear it. And when you're 17, this boy's going to take you to the prom. It's going to be fabulous. Homecoming dance, Abigail. They're going to take you to this. Just gonna, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. If you don't come out, yeah, you're going to be feed, but you're going to get too big for mommy. She's going to have to lay down and die. You, you're going to have to come out. But it's cold, and it's dark during transition, and without getting too descriptive, because I wasn't even going this way, when that baby is coming through that birth canal or by C-section, it's a little bit of a trauma. That's why they watch the heartbeat, because it's a trauma. Watching that, ba that baby coming through that transition. Anybody ever watched uh, Star Trek? Oh, we, we cut our teeth on Star Trek. Whatever generation you watched, I really don't care, but we watched the first one. And, you know, whenever they would move from one atmosphere to another, the whole ship would just, like, you think it's going to fall apart. I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to fall apart in transition. You are not where you used to be. You're not where you're going. And it may feel a little bit funky right now. But I'm going to tell you, if God should show you a picture of everything he has planned for you, of all the rebuilding and all the good, you would say, i got to get out of this womb. Come on, somebody. Come on. Nehemiah woke up every day to circumstances that didn't seem to have anything to do with his life page. Every day. Nothing remotely to do with the vision. Some of you feel this way working at Hardwick, um, working at Eton, working at Whirlpool, and on and on that have nothing to do with the vision you sense God is developing you. Well, you are in good company. Look at your neighbor and say, you are in good company. Joseph reviewed his vision from a prison. Moses spent years following sheep. David spent years hiding in caves. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And here's you a deal breaker. The very king who had destroyed Jerusalem, whose ancestors had destroyed. He's there. Be encouraged. God has you there for a reason. I'm going to tell you this morning, there's a correlation between the preparation time and a magnitude test. God didn't give Moses a four-year degree because a four-year degree would have never made him stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And if you feel like your time is going longer and longer, be encouraged. The longer it takes, the greater the task. The more time God spends with you, it means the more glory he's going to bring through you because God uses time to rebuild you as God rebuilds the walls. Somebody give him praise this morning. <laughs> Nehemiah didn't pray for God to rebuild the wall. He prayed for an opportunity. Often we pray, God, give me, uh, you know, do it for me when God says, no, I want you to ask me for an opportunity. This was Nehemiah, because I didn't read the whole chapter, and we're, we're not too far from the end of where I'm trying to go this morning. But Nehemiah Ask God for something so big that if it had been the Vegas betting odds, what's the biggest odds? I was trying to, I didn't get time to look that up. What is it, 100 to 1? 1,000 to 1? 20 million to 1? 
Nobody would have believed that the king he was asking, whose ancestors had destroyed this place and made it in ruins, would now send Nehemiah to rebuild it. There comes a moment when you got to go big or go home. Are you living like children of the Most High God? If we've been called to live beyond reason, far beyond the borders of our own abilities, we are part of the church of the living God. Someone say living God. Come on. We've got to accomplish more than the Kiwanis, the Elks Club, the Iwanas, everybody. We've got to accomplish more. We are children of God. If God is our daddy, then we need to act like he's our daddy. If God is Abba, because I'm going to tell you something, praying to God keeps you looking up. Praying keeps the burden fresh. Praying keeps you in the expectant mode. It doesn't force God's hand. But I'm going to tell you something. This just hit me like a light bulb this morning at 630 Prayer becomes the thing that notifies us of the subtle changes of a miracle. If you're not praying for it, you won't notice it. You say, oh, that's nothing. Oh, that's nothing. That's not, you'll see something change just ever so slightly in something you're praying about, and you won't notice it. But if you're praying about it, the Holy Spirit will make sure you notice it. Can I get an amen? And if God is our Abba, we have to, Brother Gerald, call upon him. Philippians 4 that we studied in the book of Philippians, my God, someone say my God, shall supply all your needs. And if you just stop there, then you're going to base your needs on the level of how big this is. If it's big to you, it's big to God. Amen. Bottom line. But it doesn't stop there. It says, my God shall supply all, not according to your needs, but according to his riches. According to his riches. Stack those needs. So I want to tell you something about Nehemiah as we get ready to come to where I'm hoping to close at 1135. Miracles still happen. You are a success. I want you to say, I am a success. Every day I show up. Hang with me. Nehemiah is in a place he does not want to be. Showing up every day being faithful. He had no idea that this whole vision was going to come to him. You are successful as the day you show up as the day your dream materializes. You're as successful the first time you ask for a miracle as when the miracle comes. You see, we gauge ourselves on mile markers, and mile markers are great. Seen some improvement. But nothing diminishes the significance of what takes place along the way. I think that God, let me tell you, Monica, I think God and the angels get excited. I could just almost hear that this morning at my prayer desk. I could hear it. It's like when we show up, I could almost hear God say, Rod has showed up today. Woohoo! And the angels are just like, because you know, my angels have got some soul. So they're dancing. You see, heaven doesn't wait to rejoice when the miracle is manifested. Heaven doesn't wait to rejoice when it sees some incredible sign. You that have raised baby. So the first time, baby, your babies. You know, baby. Don't put baby in the corner. Okay, keep going. Um, you that raised babies, you know, the first time they try to say, Baba, I am not going to approve of you, little child, until you call me Abba, Father. You know, you don't say to your baby when they try to, you know, crawl. I was watching one of my grandnieces or nephews trying to crawl the other day on some, a thing I'm a part of. And the parents were just cheering it on. It looked like he's doing nothing. Anybody with me? I mean, it looked like absolutely, it looked like a train wreck, you know. Like one elbow was trying to come up here. And they're like, you're doing so great. They didn't say, hey, little stupid. They saw, they knew that first little crawl was going to lead to something wonderful. 
God says over Madison this morning, Madison showed up at work today. Woo! And Madison like, I just showed up so I could get paid, okay? But God is saying, you showed up. You're successful. Listen, don't let anything diminish the significance of what God is doing in your life. Success is remaining faithful to the process he has called you to be and called you to be a part of. At Home Depot, at all these places represented in this room. Not when you get a raise, not when you get a promotion, not when you get recognition. If we're not careful, we'll measure our success by what is materialized. I led worship for many years, and that's in another sermon called You Might Be a Pharisee, which will come to you sometime in the future. But I learned then not to judge anything by what I saw. There was the worshipers that came in, and I'm not making fun, but like they look like Jack Nicholson off that movie, you know. Yeah, The Shining. <laughs> try to make something happy come out of me you know I mean I, I've seen it all and I don't judge appearances when I led worship but as Josh and the whole team will tell you it does help occasionally to see some movement come on somebody but those years of leading worship the Lord taught me I am schooling you because I passed that mantle years ago I'm schooling you not to judge by what you see when you walk away on a Sunday and I, I when I train people is what I say after you give any kind of word just say, Lord, I've, I've done what I could do. Now I ask you to grow it. If you're not careful, you'll become, listen to me, a candidate for discouragement. Because it's possible. Brace yourself. This is not good news. It's like a little shot in the arm. Um, it's possible to go weeks, months, and days with no signs of real progress. If you confuse that with success, you're going to abandon your dream. You don't know what God is up to behind the scenes. You're not wasting your time. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not wandering in the wilderness. If you're seeking first the kingdom, wherever God has you, it is a victory. Can you say amen? Waiting on God time may be frustrating time, but it is never wasted time. As Blaine Pascal said, let me do great things. Someone say great things. As though they were little. Since I do them in your name. Listen to me. God is the champion of bringing people. I want to read this as I wrote it down. From a place of destruction to a place of total victory. Genesis to Revelation just keeps getting told that way. As they reach a place of victory, they become trophies of His grace and they're set on display as a fragrant reminder of God's goodness. Now let me begin to move toward the very end of this, which is actually my closing. I'm very close. Nehemiah could have said, and the Lord's speaking to all of us in this room, because I know I've heard this voice. The enemy and Nehemiah's doubts could have said, you're going to go make something out of glorious ruins and bring beauty out of ashes? What makes you think you're going to make any difference? I mean, in fact, they've not cared about this. They've been living in reproach. What makes you think you're going to make a difference? And I think that's the voice that we hear. Track with me. You're not going to rebuild anything in your life. What makes you think that's going to happen? She, who you're believing for, will never come home. He's never going to become a Christian. Maybe that's a relative you're praying for. You're never going to have the resources to do what God has called you. The dream that God gave you. So many of you have shared your dreams the last two years in our dream symposium that we do occasionally. You think that's ever going to happen? You know that was pepperoni speaking to you. But you know it wasn't. You know it was a God dream. That voice that says nobody's going to go for that. That thing that you want to do. Your kids are too far gone. You'll never exceed the limits of your family. You come from a long line of dysfunctional people. 
a long line of people that are depressed, a long line of people that are negative, a long line of people that have never gotten their lives together. So why do you think you're any different? In fact, your best days are behind you. You're just way too young. You're way too old. You see, Nehemiah had to ignore that voice, and you and I have to ignore that voice when everything around you seconds that motion. Because here's the thought, and then here's the situation that says, that's right, it's not going to happen for you. I mean, it may have happened to everybody else before you. There's many people I've worked with, the women of hope, that have said to me, Pastor, I know about so-and-so's testimony, and I know about that one. They'll sit right there at Hope House with me. But I think I'm the exception to the rule, and it's never going to work for me. I'm going to tell you, I will always say to them, the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. So when everything around you seconds the motion of your doubts, your fears, Nehemiah had to listen to that. He wanted to go build glorious ruins. I've seen ruins in Israel many times. Many of them are not glorious, but he had such a heart. And he said to the people in Israel, listen to me. He said, you see the distress we're in once he got there. I can't preach the book of Nehemiah today. It lies in waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach and we may no longer live beneath what God said should be and could be. That's what Holy Spirit is saying to you and I today. For our lives, things that are in ruins, things, Psalms 44 and 21. Shall not God search this out? For he knows the secret places of the heart. He searches us. And Holy Spirit says to us, come, let's deal with that anger. Come, let's deal with that fear. Come, let's deal with that doubt. Let's deal with that thing, your self-esteem. So you no longer will be reproached. Holy Spirit shows up like Nehemiah to say, let's rebuild I love Zephaniah 3 and 20. I will give you a good name, a name of distinction among all the nations. I will restore your fortunes before their very eyes. I, the Lord, have spoken. What has God promised you? Before I end this, what has God promised you? What made you great in the beginning? The Holy Spirit will always say to me, what what made you great? Last night as I was singing, that's when it's done, Pastor Hank said, I love it when you sing over this house. He was so miserable. I mean, every old song we ever knew just came bubbling up out of me. And uh, he said, I, I love it. I said, I don't even know where those songs came from. He said, I know where those songs came from. I said, I know, Holy Spirit. He said, no, they came from our evangelistic days. And he said, and what made you great was your dependency on the Lord. And I'm telling you, every time I veer left or I veer right, Holy Spirit said, what made you great? It is your trust in me. It is that. And he says to us, let me rebuild this in your life. Maybe it's a wounded spirit. Proverbs 1 and 3 says, the spirit of man will sustain him. But who? Someone say, who? Who can bear a wounded spirit? Hurts, rejection, failures, disappointment. I've had many disappointments, but the biggest disappointer in my life has been me. Can I get a witness? The person that's most disappointed you is you. Sometimes it's hard to give grace to ourselves. But Holy Spirit says, come, let's rebuild the wall. I opened with a verse and I will give them beauty for ashes. Someone say beauty for ashes. 
Let me tell you this. The Hebrew word for ashes is ether. And the Hebrew word for beauty is fur, but it's P-H-E-E-R. Just move the E and you have a new word. That's how close God is making the correlation in the very Hebrew language to I will take what was ashes. You see, these walls were broken down and all there was was ashes. It was burnt. It was destroyed. But God was saying, I'm going to give you beauty from ashes. There's nothing beautiful about ashes unless you have a loved one that's cremated. I understand that concept. But there's nothing beautiful when you go to where something's been destroyed by fire. And you look at the ashes. The stench is almost more than you hand. We had a small fire in 2010. And we about never got that smell out of our house. But when you have something that comes down to ashes and you walk, I've walked in Mississippi with my daddy upon places that were burnt to the ground during hard times in Mississippi. And the ashes, it's just, it's, it's almost nauseating. Maybe that's how you and I feel about things in our life that were burnt by life's experiences. And we see them as ashes. We see them as hopeless. I'm going to tell you something. Whatever God touches becomes beautiful. Can I get an amen? And give Jesus a praise, and I promise I'm going to close now. So before I pray with you, I want to say this to you, and I will have you stand in a moment. God went in in the book of Nehemiah later. We'll study it in 2022. And he took what the walls were burnt down. And actually, the enemies of God said, you crazy Jews, send ballot to buy a Gershom, bunch of idiots said, you're going to rebuild the walls with that which has been burnt, which that has been destroyed. If you rebuild it, a fox walking on top of it will destroy it. If you pick up that, you need new bricks. And that's what the enemy says. You think God can restore and rebuild after that? Maybe you're praying for your prodigal. Maybe you're praying for relationship. Maybe you're praying for yourself or someone. It just looks like you can't go back in and take what is destroyed and rebuilt. But the Lord had Nehemiah take what was broken, that which was burnt, and pick it up. And they built the wall with charred stones. And guess what? I've been to Jerusalem. Those walls still stand today in 2021. Somebody give God the best praise and stand all over this building this morning. Come on, somebody give him one more praise. I know I threw you off. Come on, come on. So I want to say to you, I want to pray over you this morning, the glorious ruins in your life and the people you're going to be around. I want to tell you something so powerful about Holy Spirit himself. When the enemies of God after Nehemiah had been back for a while and he'd re they'd gotten it halfway done. You know, I've noticed something, Paige. Beginning is not hard and ending is not hard, but the middle is tough. You lose your stamina for whatever you're believing for. I mean, whether it's you know, losing weight, an exercise goal, or eating, or quit smoking, quit drinking, or chewing, or quit lying. I don't know, whatever, you know, quit being mean. Let me throw in some that fit most of us. Keep being, not stop being mean and gossiping or whatever. In the middle is hard. When God gives you a promise, you maybe you heard something in a sermon, you thought, that just kind of, I don't know, just kind of light went off in me. That's the way I say it in layman's terms. And you just so believed it. You had a dream. And then you get to the middle and you start feeling overwhelmed. Did God really say, is this really going to happen? Is this going to come to fulfillment for me? That goal, that dream. It's in that moment that Holy Spirit comes to remind you, I'm going to make something glorious out of this. I'm going to bring beauty for ashes. And the thing I love the best, that when they built that wall halfway, 
And, it's, and Nehemiah said he saw the enemies approaching the city, and they were only halfway. Someone say halfway. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Halfway. So the wall, Sherry, was only halfway built. They were not protected. Often do you feel like you just got your sea legs, that's what I talk about, and things get shaky. You feel like you just you took a couple of steps, whoa, it's going good now, and then boom, Tuesday comes. And that's what they felt like. Those, those enemies were coming at them all the way, marching, and Nehemiah saw them. But I want you to pay attention and listen to this. This is what happened. Nehemiah positions himself on the lower walls. He puts the people in the walls that are protected. And when the enemy saw, Israel thought, man, those crazy people, they've got a tool and a weapon. Their walls aren't even built, and they're just standing. They're acting like God's going to do something. Well, guess what? God was going to do something. Somebody give him praise. Come on. Just stay right here. Everything's good. Those crazy Jews standing in that wall, it's half done. We're going to take them out. We're going to destroy them. When you get halfway to a promise, halfway to a victory, halfway through an issue, halfway through a hurt, a habit, or hang-up, and you just feel like the enemy just targeted you. Nehemiah does something so powerful. He puts the precious people in the strong parts, but he puts himself in the weak parts of the wall. So when the enemies of God started marching, thinking they were going to take it, but they couldn't finish it, they thought they were going to overcome them, but they never got there to fight because the closer they got. Are you tracking with me? Come on, track with me because this is good. The closer they got, what they saw that they couldn't see from a distance. Behind Nehemiah and behind the weak people of God with their tool, just like, oh, this doesn't take us out. You know, Come on. They're going to kill us. We're only halfway restored here, and here they come. What they couldn't see behind them until they got a little closer were the Israelite soldiers with bows and arrows and swords and spears standing in the weak places of the wall. Let me tell you something. The enemy may see you from a distance and think he can take you out, but the closer he gets to you, he sees the Lord of the angel armies with all the glorious protecting, glorious angels of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Some done. Somebody give him praise this morning. Come on. Somebody give him praise this morning. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray over you, then I'm going to have you pray with each other. Just first let me pray for you. Father God, for what we have received, make it live in our heart. I can only speak your word, Holy Spirit, but you're the one that grows it up. Thank you for helping me. You know how weak I was this morning. Thank you because you are so awesome. But it's your people that I'm asking you to touch this morning. Let the word live with them. Let glorious ruins be revived in their life, Lord to believe that God you want to use them in this city to rebuild the walls of the broken to rebuild the walls of the discouraged and that you want to rebuild their walls too that you love them as much as you love your church Lord let beauty come from ashes in Jesus name everyone said amen I'm going to ask you to do something if your faith is here and you're standing near someone